the bedpost podcast i'm your host as always aaron pym and what i like to do on the bedpost podcast is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio for an in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality and this uh oh before i get started i just want to direct you all once again if you've been listening to recent episodes you will know that i've most recently started a patreon it is at patreon.com slash the bedpost show and i'm uh, giving all kinds of lovely bonus content like uh half-hour solo episodes, uh, fun, sexy pictures. I'm also now including some of my very own erotica stories. So you're going to get a lot of great uh, bonus content. You know, if you're into uh, the sound of my voice, want to hear more about me, want to hear more about my uh, personal life as a polyamorous person and my professional life as a prodom, you will get all of that on Patreon. So once again, that is patreon.com slash the bedpost show. Love, would love, love, love to see you there. No, without that out of the way, I have a really fantastic guest. We are continuing our series where uh, I'm going around and featuring all the ritual chamber dominance. And we are, uh, I feel very graced with her presence uh, right now. <laughs> we, we have the owner of the ritual chamber. She has been a pro dominant for over 15 years and has been teaching about kink for just about that long as well. Please welcome to the mic, Headmistress Shahirzad. Hello. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh my God. And also, we should mention you were on. Uh, a couple of years ago. Yes, that's true. Yes. That's true. So it's actually my second time. I lied. This is my second time on the Bedpost Sex Show. And I am so pleased to be here. Oh my God. As always, uh, pleased to just hang out with you because you're lovely. Uh, and also, uh, I am very excited for this episode because we have so many lovely questions. We certainly do. Uh, people have asked uh, questions that they would like um, me to answer live on this podcast. And uh, some of them are quite deep. So we're going to yeah. go deep diving into um, into BDSM and kink today. Yay, can't wait. Why don't we, to start off though, since it has been so long since we've had you on the podcast, why don't we just give uh, everybody a little bit of an idea about yourself, perhaps maybe how you came to be the owner of the Ritual Chamber? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I... Um, I started as a pro-dom about um, a long time ago, over 15 <laughs> years ago. I know, I, I don't like saying that anymore. I'm just like, <laughs> it was a long, long time ago when I... Um, but anyhow, uh, a long time ago when I first started, um, I really found that what was missing from my work as a pro-dom and as an independent pro-dom was um, a sense of community and a sense of support and a sense of having another circle of people around me who knew what I was, um, who knew what I was going through as a pro dom, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who was heavily involved in the BDSM uh, world, um, and uh, and and to have colleagues uh, 
that were uh, that were experiencing it themselves. And um, I, I really uh, I remember really struggling because it was very very isolating to do that work. Um, it's on so my own. It's so important. Right? Community is so important. It's so important. Sex, and I, sex worker friends, yeah. dom friends, whatever. If you're in, you know, sex work adjacent type industry, community, friends. Absolutely. Because, so you know, what do you do when you're in a relationship and you come home and, you know, your partner's complaining about their day and, you know, you had somebody who, um, you know you know, something bad happened in the dungeon. And how do you share that with somebody who doesn't understand what you're going through? Or how do you, you know, when the things we take for granted, like, you know, going out for a beer with your friends at the end of the week and sharing and what happened in the office, um, uh, becomes very difficult when, <laughs> when your office is a dungeon and the kind of work you're doing is very stigmatized. So, um, through, uh, the first 10 years of me doing independent work, I really, uh, craved, um, having a space where there could be multiple people who were all sort of sharing a similar value system and approach to kink, um, a similar way of uh, interacting with it and thinking about it, um, who could be supports to each other. And so at the 10-year mark, um, I decided that um, I was either going to go big or go home. And uh, I uh, decided that I was going to go uh, big, go big. <laughs> And, uh, and the rest is kind of history because I, I, uh, I decided that I was going to create the dungeon that I had always wanted to work at, um, but that didn't exist at the time when I first started working. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, so I started to, uh, look around for people who, um, had a similar orientation towards kink as I did, namely, um, with the understanding that BDSM can be used as a tool for healing, mm -hmm. as a tool for personal growth, mm -hmm. um, people who, um, were very very uh, sort of balanced in their approach to it and um, could see the application of it uh, beyond just something that that's fun to do, mm -hmm. um, who perhaps had more of a spiritual orientation towards it even. Mm -hmm. um, so, because uh, you have a background, I know just well from being from knowing you, but also from you did mention on the last time we recorded that mm -hmm. you do have a background in social work mm -hmm. and about and you have a a connection with spirituality in your background as well, right? Yeah, so I have a, I have a degree in social work and I have a degree in sexuality studies. Mm -hmm. And then I also have been studying um, uh, esoteric sciences, you could say, mm -hmm. uh, for, for uh, about 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, so those so are like your core values. Those are my core yeah. values. Makes those sense. are definitely my core values. And, and those so are the values of the ritual chamber. In yeah, like when people come in here, like basically what I wanted was I wanted to find people who could help me create a space where when a client came in and said, you know, I have never shared this with anybody, but for the last 60 years of my life, I've been holding this secret that I really, really crave getting spanked. And I feel so ashamed of myself, but I, I need to do this thing. I need to explore it. It's on my bucket list. Before I die, I want to do this thing. And to have people who would be able to facilitate that for them, not with an attitude of humiliation, not with an attitude of putting that person down, not with an attitude of um, uh, contempt that you sometimes see within pro-dom circles, um, but, but more in a space of uh, of of celebration for the bravery bravery of this person mm -hmm. to step forward after so many years and be themselves, mm -hmm. and so in a safe space. In a safe that. space, yeah. 
And so honoring, honoring each person's ability to be themselves when they come here, both as staff, um, because it's really important to me as staff that, um, that individual doms uh, be able to express their own uniqueness as a pro-dom, that we're not, I'm not looking for um, people to follow any kind of sort of cookie-cutter mold of, of what it means to be a dominant. Um, real people, real king. Real people, real king. Is Absolutely, our, is our motto is our tagline. Exactly. So yeah. So we look for we look for real people who like uh, who are genuinely kinky within their own lives, um, so that we can be here for people who are real people who are genuinely kinky in their own lives. Yeah. And uh, not to say we don't offer humiliation play as a service, uh, because <laughs> because we <laughs> most true. We most, we most certainly, certainly do. do. Uh, but not unless you request it. Yes, not unless you ask. There's, there's, yeah, there's this. Uh, <laughs> I go on this rant, a uh, rant, maybe every two weeks. But there's a, <laughs> there's this whole um, idea online when you start to read a lot of sort of um, femdom content that humiliating. Um, male submissives is uh, just sort of like um, a standard <laughs> of how to talk to them um, and, and, be, and being mean and being mean and being cruel mm-hmm. and being belittling and being degrading even sometimes and um, and that is fantastic if you are into those things and you are consenting to those things and if you have not consented to those things being treated in that way is not BDSM it's abuse mm-hmm. so um, and, and yeah to be doing that to some when you are not in a scene with someone who has specifically requested that and that is their kink that is not a thing that maybe should be done no it's not it's a it's actually a a consent violation Mm -hmm. um but we don't we don't have the same kind of the problem is we don't have the same kind of rules online as we do in in in-person play so online people talk in their scene voices right Right. They say, you know, they will address general submissives in their tweets to say, you know, all you worms, you little pigs, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're nothing and worthless and blah, 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 unless you unless you, you know, contact me and serve or whatever. Um, But new people reading that for the first time um, don't know what to make of it because they don't know whether that is something that is a standard in the BDSM community in terms of how right. people should be talking to each other or not. Right. And for me, I'm just like, unfollow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not what I want to hear. Vote with your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Vote for the kind of content you want to see. Yeah. All righty. Should we dive into these questions? I then? think we should. We have so many good ones on Twitter. Um, and what might be a good segue, I think, is a good question that uh, Norm Long, he's at Motel on Fire on Twitter, uh, he is asking, do you see BDSM as a way to heal trauma? Since you're kind of talking about coming from a healing place, mm-hmm. yeah. that might be a good place to start? For sure. Um, So yeah, in answer to the question, absolutely. I think that BDSM has within it um, the potential to take us to some very um, shadow places within our psyche. So what that means is it's playing with things like fear. It's playing with things like um, 
uh, abandonment or arousal or excitement shame. or shame or um, or or panic or you know a lot of those um, those different kinds of emotions that typically um, we don't put out as our face forward into the world and because um, if if we have experienced trauma those experiences as well as all of these very intense emotions are typically um uh you could say they're they're mushed up together <laughs> within <laughs> within the part of ourselves that is our that we don't necessarily want to look look at or choose to look at um on a regular basis because it's triggering to us um so bdsm done with care can allow a person to go into an experience that, let's say, for example, resembles the or the original trauma, um, but in a way where they are explicitly consenting to what is going to take place and how it's going to take place and when it's going to end. And in that way, they can, in some ways, process the emotions and the feelings that came up for them in the original uh, in the original experience, but in a way that feels empowering, in a way that they can feel in control of. Mm. It's a controlled experiment. It's, it's a con- controlled experiment. Yeah. Controlled environment. Mm-hmm. So they have the power over the outcome. They absolutely do. And this time. This time. This time around. And so it's very important. Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to... Um, there is a myth that everybody who is into BDSM must have experienced trauma as a kid or, you know, that there's something wrong with you for wanting to experience it. And that is absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I can say is that um, for that many people choose to process trauma through, uh, through BDSM play that is consensual. Mm -hmm. And not to say that that is what every trauma victim should do. Absolutely at all, not. and also yeah. not saying that you should fire your therapist and <laughs> hire a dominatrix. No, it, but it can be very healing in conjunction with all these other things you are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are not. You know, um, going to see a pro dom is not a replacement for therapy. Yeah. It is absolutely not. So, but it can be part of mm-hmm. um, your uh, your healing process. In the sense that, um, you know, it could be that you are uh, working with with a a professional who is, you know, trained in counseling or uh, psychology, um, and then um, you're doing other things for self-care. And it could be that this might be one thing that you do for self-care. A caution, uh, which is simply that if you are going to do that, um, please be at a point in your journey journey, (laughs) yeah, where... um, where you know how to t- take care of yourself or you have supports in place to be able to process what comes up from that experience or that scene that you do because it's it's possible that you will go through it and it'll be um it'll be perfectly fine and it'll help you to come to a place of wholeness within yourself but sometimes to get to the place of wholeness you kind of need to dredge everything up um again and so uh just make sure that you have some some supports in place practice with care practice with care yes of course Mm -hmm. um since we are uh answering norm's questions here good old norm 
He has a very interesting question that at first when I think we both read it and we were like, how does this relate to anything? But then we, you and I started talking about it off mic and we're like, oh no, they're like, we could, we could do some pretty interesting, go some interesting places with this question. Yeah. So he says, uh, after 15 plus years, how do you define love? And would you have defined it differently back when you began? Has it changed? Norm, that's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> that at first we did not think was a good question. <laughs> we had yes. to think on it. We were, you know, but I, I think I <laughs> we were like, what? What are you at it? What do you mean? Um, but you know, I think I think that there is uh, there is something very profound underneath that question, which I would like to address. Mm-hmm. So, and and people, you know, if you had five people answer that question, I think you'd probably get five different answers. But what I'm going to share with you is. The fact that um, after 15 years, I define love as being able to um, be yourself and being able to hold space for other people to be themselves at a very, very, and it sounds very simple, but in how many ways do we have attachments or expectations to how people are when they are with us. And we don't allow them to, um, we don't allow them in some ways to express the fullness of who we are because either it triggers something in us or we don't like it or we want to be treated in a different way. Um, so when it comes, when we take the, the concept of love and we put it in a dungeon, um, you know, love is being able to hold unconditional space for somebody to go deeply into a place um, where they feel vulnerable. Yeah, when you're talking about coming from like a caring and healing background and, you know, that's your whole, that is your whole kind of jam. That caring for someone, that's love. That's, you know, helping someone through something that's love, Mm -hmm. like helping someone heal. That's all, those are all loving actions yeah. to take. Yeah, I think that there's, you know, we're really limited, I think, in, in our, in some ways, in our definition of love. And we say love is something that happens with a romantic partner in the context of a dating situation or a marriage. And that's the only way to experience love or that love is a feeling. I would argue that love is an action mm-hmm. and love is a choice. And, um, love is something that we, uh, we, we, you could say we make a choice in every moment to take actions based on love or based on fear. And when we take actions based on love, the result of those actions is typically, um, you know, greater happiness, more health, hope, um, you know, you have a greater sense of humor, you feel more in harmony. You know, there's an expansiveness to uh, those kinds of interactions because it allows everybody to just be. Mm-hmm. You know when an action is motivated by fear or motivated by um, I don't know, other reasons why people do things, but fear is a big one, yeah. um, that uh, the, the end result of that kind of choice or interaction is that one or both people will feel 
constricted or will feel uh, a lack of closure or will feel like they can't be themselves or will feel like they can't um, speak their truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what ends up getting created is a, a very, the feeling of it is very convoluted and twisted and messy. Yeah. So, um, it, so it's worth thinking about, you know, if you take, if you take anything from this conversation, I think, um, you know, take some time to think about whether your actions are motivated by, by love, by unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the other thing is most of us as children, you know, we crave unconditional love, but a human can only love to the degree that they know, uh, what unconditional love is. Mm-hmm. And most of us, our parents were very well intentioned and loved us the best they could, but uh, gave us tend to tended. To, but we're still fucked up. <laughs> but we're yeah. still fucked up. And uh, yeah, and they <laughs> they tended to give us more love when we did what they wanted us to do, and when we were good girls and good boys yes. and and good people. Yes, and that resonates um, very much with me, yes. right? Yes. So and so when we got a pat on the head and a cookie, we knew we were doing the right thing, and we got love. And when we did, when we misbehaved, we got a, a very different reaction and so we learned that in order to be okay i need to be a certain way yeah Um, to to be deserving to be deserving of it yeah absolutely yes you know and so how many of us go into relationships whether they're ds relationships or regular relationships and we say i have to be i have to change who i am in order to be loved Mm -hmm. in order to um to be accepted because that is that's we're human that's what we we crave right um we were talking about um off mic another kind of facet to this question it's like okay us um doing our us practicing with love and then on the other hand of that was as pro-doms and as regular lifestyle tops and dominance as well how available are we making ourselves emotionally? That's kind of an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. You know, how invested are we getting in either our clients or our play partners? Yes. Uh, or what or whatnot, pick up play partners, you know? Yes. Because I, the stereotype yeah. is that we're very cold and... Oh, absolutely. You know. And but, bitchy. Yes. And obnoxious. I mean, I think... If I if I had a if I had a, a dime for every person who said you're too nice to be a dominatrix, yeah, <laughs> because the stereotype is is that I mean you're very right, yeah. um, and and you know what I would what were we gonna say I was just gonna say yeah. and even like um, vulnerability versus strength right like can a dom have vulnerability can they be vulnerable emotionally available all that and still do their job yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a super question. <laughs> that's a super question. Let's take it to the next level. <laughs> get us get out of notebook. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you know it's um I uh, a pro dom can be vulnerable and emotionally available, and I'm I'm using those words with the awareness that we all define those differently. So what emotionally available means to me is going to be different than what emotionally available means to you. And what vulnerable is to me is going to be different from what vulnerability rather means to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but my experience is that the more work a person has done on themselves, the more self-aware they are, the more they have worked through their own, um, their own emotional baggage, um, the more they have... Um, uh, 
separated themselves from their story. And by that, I mean, um, to what degree does a person feel uh, like they identify with their their victimhood or they identify with their um, with their trauma or they and that that they carry that with them every single day it will be very much more difficult to interact with a, a client say from that place because it's still so raw right right when somebody has done the work of healing some of that past stuff such that they're not necessarily carrying the emotional triggers of the past into every moment with them mm-hmm. um, I feel like you can be in a place of open-heartedness with a client mm-hmm. where you're um, you're being transparent you're being vulnerable you're being intimate in the sense not of sexually but intimate but intimate in the sense of revealing yourself yeah, and energetically then, energetically yeah, yeah. Yep, um, and you can do that because you are uh, you are just being yourself in the flow of the present moment, mm-hmm. rather than being yourself and also the person you were yesterday, and also the person you were five years ago, and ten years ago, and fifteen years ago, and when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, because at that point, yeah, the the instinct is to protect ourselves, mm-hmm. and so we want to close off, and we want to shut down, and we want to interact in a very um, guarded, guarded. Don't come close to me. I don't want to share myself with anybody. Kind of way. Mm-hmm. So, and and it, I don't think it's it, you know everybody has their own journey of personal growth, and um, some people choose to make that a very a very um, uh, important part of their lives, and for other people it's not as important. Or some people aren't ready mm-hmm. to do that to do that work, and that is there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. Um, the question is just, can you be self-aware enough to know uh, whether um, being a pro is going to uh, exacerbate that, uh, that division within yourself, you know, or, or, uh, or, hel- or not be impacted by it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. definitely. Thanks, Norm. Jesus. Oh. I told no. you we were going to go deep. He, he also has put an asterisk. Says, such a veteran professional question asker talking about himself. <laughs> Whatever, Norm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. we have a question from Lady Dreams. Your friend and mine, Lady Dreams. Yes. Uh, I interviewed her a couple episodes ago, So, oh, which was such a great interview. Oh, she boy. is awesome. Yes. Hi, Lady Dreams. Hey, Lady. <laughs> and she is asking, uh, your top, top secrets, secrets, uh, <laughs> what is the secret to your resiliency in the field? What is the secret to my resiliency in the field? Hmm. 15 plus years Mm. in the field. (laughs) It is true that um, it's a long time to be in this industry. Yes. Yes. Um, And to be honest with you, most people don't make it that long. Yeah. Um, And uh, so... Hmm. The secret to my resiliency. This is like, you know, like the secret of, you know, the, yes. the philosopher's stone. Yeah, the Pandora's box. <laughs> the Pandora's uh, box. Yeah. yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I think it is because for me, in the way that I approach the work, BDSM is not for me an identity. 
It's a language through which I communicate to people. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. So for me, um, being dominant is a part of how I like to express myself, but it's not necessarily my identity. My identity is much more complex than one role would uh, allow for. So um, the reason why I do my pro work uh, is because I see it almost as my uh, calling to work within the realm of kink and within the language of kink and using the language of kink to help people to heal and to help people to grow. Um, my, uh, what, I, what I know about myself is that the reason why I am here on this planet is because um, I am here to help people wake up and become more conscious. And I, it's going to sound really whatever to, to some of you who don't necessarily have um, a background in, uh, in any kind of spiritual discipline, but um, I, I am here to help people wake up. And so being a kinky person myself, I, um, I, that's the avenue. That is the route. <laughs> yes. That is my, uh, that is my population, my audience, because, uh, th- that is a language that I understand and that is a language that I speak. And so everything that I do within BDSM, um, is not BDSM as an end in of itself. Although I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just not, not why I work. Why I work is because BDSM is a very, very potent tool for transformation. Um, it has within it the potential to help us to access parts of ourselves that need healing. It has potential to um, help us to uh, access altered states um, where we can gain knowledge about ourselves that we didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, my goal is to help people become more self-aware mm-hmm. so that they can be happier, so that they're not, um, you know, so that they're uh, in the driver, driver's seat you could say, and not being controlled by their lives. And the only way, um, well, it's not the only way, I should, there are many, many paths, but one of the ways in which you can do that is, is through um, BDSM and making conscious those parts of ourselves that we often shove into the darkness. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a blog post that you may or may not have written uh, about bad reasons to become a pro-dom. Mm-hmm. Because what I what I gather from what you were just speaking of, it's not a frivolous thing to you. Mm. No, to, it, to me it's not. Yes, uh, to me it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's not um, because you. <laughs> it's not because you hate men and you'd love to no. beat them up. Absolutely. Not. What were some of your other reasons you had on there? Oh, because you many. like to wear yeah. uh, fetish gear. You think you look really hot yep. and good with, yep. in latex. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. Or because you like to spank your boyfriend that you yep. think, or because your boyfriend tells you that you're you're bitchy enough to be a dominatrix, <laughs> or that um, what were the other ones? They were really yeah. But these are you know they were all drawn from actual reasons why people have approached me and said I want to be a pro dom. Yes, and I'm just like okay, um, <laughs> let me tell you why that's not going to work. Yeah. You know, um, and yeah, I feel like that post was inspired by some real life uh, event in your life. <laughs> Let's just say many real life events in my life. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I get contacted like, you know, 10 times a week by people who want to be pros. And I, really? I interview maybe 2% of them. Right. And of those 2%, I have received some very interesting, very interesting reasons for why they want to do what they do. And, and, and I'll tell you something. I mean, you can do this job for any reason at sure. all and be successful at it. Yeah. But you're asking what my longevity is linked to. Yeah. My longevity is linked to the fact that um, what, I, what I do is a vehicle for something that is much greater yeah. than just what happens in this dungeon. Yeah, it's like linked to one of your core life values. It's linked to one of my core life values and something that I, I feel very strongly about. Yeah. And and empowering other people to find that within themselves. Yes. And so that's kind of become my mission that drives me. So it's not about um it's not about a passing desire. It's not even so much about the you know the the, the lifestyle in and of itself, the identification with being a dominant, you know, and many things. Yeah. And, and dominance is, is one of the fabulous ways in which I express myself. Mm-hmm. And it is fabulous. <laughs> Lady Dreams also wants to know your favorite ice cream flavor. <laughs> From the sublime to the ridiculous, I swear. Uh, <laughs> my favorite ice cream flavor, to be honest... I gotta think about no. Let's get real. No, deep. Let's, let's get, get real, real deep. Yeah, it's yeah. peanut butter and chocolate. Really? Yeah, that's my mom's favorite. Yeah, I love it. It's really good. If anybody out there wants to bring me peanut butter and chocolate ice cream, I will be super happy. Yeah, tribute um, um, as tribute. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Provocateur Images is the official boudoir photography studio of Bedpost. To receive 10% off your next studio session, use the coupon code Bedpost. That's B-E-D-P-O-S-T. For more information and to see the gorgeous shots that are possible at this studio, check out provocateurimages.ca or follow them at provocateur underscore images on Instagram.
So we have one fantastic question by Edward Cantor. He is at Edward underscore Cantor. Oh, and I forgot to give um, Lady Dreams his uh, uh, Twitter, which is OMG Adam. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, Adam. Adam. Oh my God, Adam. At Twitter. <laughs> So uh, that is Lady Dreams. And also uh, give a huge shout out once again to Lady Dreams' Patreon. Yes, absolutely. Yes, Patreon.com slash Dreams Made Flesh. If you want female gaze femdom content, that is the place to check out. It's where it's at. And uh, I think fear came up a bunch in our conversation. That is this month's theme. Oh, isn't that perfect? So there we are. And I've written a um, autosassinophilia um, erotica hmm. story, which is which is you like when you think you're going to die. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> you know, you get off That's a bit on, on somebody wanting to kill you. Yeah, <laughs> it's dark shit we get into here. Okay, so Edward Cantor at Edward underscore Cantor on Twitter wants to know when you so successfully transform yourself for the needs of each individual client and session how do you hang on to yourself and your own goals as a dominant good question that edward is a good question thank yes. you edward so how do you hold on <clears throat> yeah how do you be kind of the chameleon that you need to be as a generalist pro dom yeah. while hanging on to your own essence mm-hmm. yes yeah Love so it. um you know it's it's a good question and i think um, having a strong sense of who I am, um, I make a choice to do the work that I do. And so, um, I take full responsibility for that choice and I, uh, um, I enjoy very much the shape-shifting aspect of it, um, because it allows me to explore all the facets of who I am. Um, through the mirrors of the clients who come to me to play. Um, and I think, I think other things that really help is that, you know, when it comes to my own sexuality and my own sexual desires, they're pretty vast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, so that's my thing know, too. I'm like, I'm going to be into it. Yeah. Like they're there. Yeah. I'm here for you and you know I'm yeah. I'm doing this because you have booked a session with me and you want yeah. this particular type of session. I'm totally. like odds are I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. Like yeah. when you know there there's some of those some of us like you know like you and I and and uh and the doms at at the chamber currently who when you when you've been in in this community for a while or you you tend to be or, or, or you were attracted to the community in the first place because you tend to be the kind of person who's open to lots of things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. you just tend to be we're more open-minded kind of towards sexuality in general. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So when it, when it comes to session requests, you know, I can tell you that, you know, I've even explored some things for the first time with regular clients who wanted to try something new, knowing that I had no experience with those things. And, um, I learned about new things that I really enjoyed via those clients. Amazing. So I, you know, my sexuality has only expanded um, by being a pro dom. It hasn't, um, it hasn't been stymied in any way. It hasn't been contracted in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to kink, I, I really, I really do have quite diverse interests and quite, um, quite a range within which I play and enjoy myself, mm-hmm. um, and. I also have interests within my own sexuality that go beyond the dungeon. 
and that exactly. uh, clients will um, will not necessarily ever see because it's not about clients. And I think everybody should have you know parts of their sexuality that they um, that they keep for themselves first and foremost, um, or that they share with other people um, that they're intimate with, or that you know they're in. And you know the other thing is that sexuality is not just limited to the interactions we have with with um, with people in in relationships, you know, I think sexuality has come to be understood as something that is we do with other people. We do with other people in the context of an attraction, or in a context of a dating situation, or the context of a romance, or whatever. Um, and and your sexuality is your life force energy. It is the energy that animates you. It's the energy that keeps you um, breathing and alive and passionately engaged with life. Mm-hmm. And I I firmly feel that anytime you are doing something that is your passion or anytime you're doing something that um, makes you feel pleasure or that you feel good about yourself or that you're so engrossed in it that like time passes and you haven't even registered the time has passed because you're so involved in that flow um, that those are all your sexuality in action mm-hmm. you know it's like your creativity when you're creating creative energy. yes creating yeah. like yes yeah creating life Exactly. Like that you, is you are creating life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's literal and it's metaphorical. Yes. Yeah. I love so, that. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, there are parts of my creative energy that I direct to many different, um, uh, undertakings and parts of myself and, um, and, and only some of those come in into place in the dungeon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. How, what was the original question? I, <laughs> I, think I, I went know. on a tangent. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but what what is interesting to me, and maybe a question I have for you as a follow-up, is so there's something to be said about not being just like a caricature, you know, being that stereotype that we kind of mentioned mm-hmm. when you're bringing your Dom persona into the space. So something about being, you know, your authentic self. I'm kind of writing an article about this, hopefully, for the blog. It keeps being put on hold. But something about, like, you know, that it's going to be something like ditching Dom stereotypes or something like that and kind of finding your own. So the question was something about... I could just open my phone and see it again. But uh, the question was something about how do you hold on to your own style or your own persona while indulging you know other people's wants and desires and it's like well because i'm bringing my authentic self into a session yeah so that's the constant is that i am authentically exactly right myself that's exactly right and i can do whatever i can do everything Mm -hmm. i can do all the things yeah and as long as i'm bringing my authentic self to the table then that is how i'm maintaining my my style Your because style. I'm it actually is my style <laughs> yeah you know and, and I remember that actually when when we when we first talked and I I um and you said you know I I don't want to um uh, take up a different name yeah I want to be myself whether I'm in the dungeon or I'm hosting a podcast or I'm doing whatever it is that I do and and it, it there is something about the continuity of that authenticity that makes you come you are a real person doing this work rather than a person doing a caricature of the work mm-hmm. and um what i notice in in new doms that's really challenging is when they feel they have to be somebody other than who they are then you kind of get a uh it's almost like a, a um 
they look they seem like a porcelain doll because they're they're uh the face that they show is so unnatural to them that you can see that it's just a shell or a mask and when people get more comfortable as prodoms and they start letting a little bit more of themselves show and and there being more continuity between who they are on a regular basis and who they are in a session and they bring more of themselves into the session that's where you kind of start to see them relax a little bit more mm-hmm. and have a little bit more fun. Yeah. Because it takes energy to keep a mask up like that when it's not genuinely you, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I feel like only the best scenes are going to come out of you actually bringing your personality to the table, like yeah. your actual authentic self to the table. Yeah. Like it's, you're only going to be able to go deeper and and play easier. As you're saying, it's difficult to kind yeah. of have to follow a script. Yeah. It's like, you can just be yourself. <laughs> like, yeah. wow, that's easy exactly <laughs> I you know, can do it, that it just occurred to me as you were saying that I'm like you know many prodoms complain about being handed a script from a client because oh, they're an like actual I don't script, want yes. an actual script yeah, yeah. but then actually what they're what when they feel that they have to be somebody other than who they are they're trying to make themselves follow their own idea of a script of how they should be in a session right so it's like ditch the scripts you don't need a script <laughs> Literal and metaphorical. Literal and metaphorical. You don't need a script for how to be a dom, and you don't need necessarily need a script for how to script your session. Yeah. Um, just be yourself. Yeah. And not to say that you can't bring, you know, severity, you know, you can't amp up a certain facet of your personality, for bring sure. severity or bring playfulness or yeah. a, maternal, a maternal vibe. Yeah. That you can't, you know, be, do role play. Yeah. But it can come from an authentic place. Well, let me put it this way. Yeah. All of us in our, in, in our authentic selves are more than one thing. Yes, exactly. Right? There you so go. all yeah. of us in our authentic selves have a nurturing side, have a cruel side, have a, a sadistic side, have a caring side, have a, you know, a funny side. Mm-hmm. And the degree to which we are comfortable with those different aspects of ourselves is the degree to which we can interact with other people from those places. Mm-hmm. Right? So somebody who um, is not necessarily comfortable um, with, let's say, their nurturing maternal side, yeah, is not necessarily going to want to bring that face forward. Yeah? yeah, or somebody who's not comfortable with their, um, I don't know, with with that doesn't think they're funny is not necessarily going to want to make jokes in front of other people or whatever it is, right? We tend to to we tend to bring forward the parts of ourselves that we are the most, most like comfortable confident with. in, yeah. yeah, comfortable and confident, yeah. yeah. So the more work you do on yourself, and the more you become comfortable with all the different faces of who we are, it's complex then you can bring those different faces forward and it's still who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and something you mentioned, um, we have lovely staff meetings in which you help us kind of market and brand ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting that, okay, yes, you have to develop and brand and kind of bring your Dom persona to the table. And you kind of have to figure out what that is and you have to market yourself that way but also be authentic. It's like, okay, but your your personality your your dom persona can be authentically you and that's your that's the way you market it. Yes. Is your authenticity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that but that's it. Is all your facets. It's all your facets. Yeah. As they are expressed through you. Yeah. Which will be unique then will be unique compared to somebody else expressing all of those facets through them. Yeah. 
So it's like a different lens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, we have one more question, which is perfect, perfect timing. Uh, this is actually a DM that I received, and it's about kink shaming, which I feel like you may have just taught a class about recently. So I feel like you have a lot to say about it. And this is a person that I'm not going to say who they are, obviously, but um, that they had... I'm sure a lot of people can um, can identify with this, is that they have a new partner and they come out with a kink to the new partner and yeah. it's greeted with an ew or what's even worse and more damaging yeah. than that is like, oh, what the fuck is wrong with you? Absolutely. And the question is about, do you have any tips with coming out with a kink to a new partner? Yep. And then on the flip side of that, what can we do when we happen to be put in this position where we're, we're receiving that information? Mm-hmm. What we can, can we do to facilitate a happy, healthful, you know, <laughs> a happy, healthy, kinky relationship. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, for sure. I you know because we're not all into kink, and for sure. And and you know, and uh, I just as we as kinky people don't like being criticized for being kinky, uh, there are a lot of vanilla people who get very upset about being called vanilla as though it is some kind of derogatory statement. Yes, you know, we are each into whatever it is we are into sexually, and. That's a neutral statement. <laughs> yes. So yeah. one is not better than another. Yeah. And vanilla is great ice cream. And vanilla is really good. <laughs> not yeah. better than chocolate. French vanilla butter, from but... Baskin and Robbins is really good. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to ice cream flavors. <laughs> so um, what I would, you know, I, I teach a workshop called A Kink in the Relationship. I was re- recently teaching it at Good for Her. And um, hey, Carlisle. Uh, hi, Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the the thrust of the workshop is essentially it's for couples where one person in the couple is kinky and the other person in the couple is not. And how do you um, how do you find a place of harmony within that relationship that allows both people to get what they need without uh, crossing either of them crossing their boundaries or their hard limits. And, um, you know, one of the things I talk about is how do you come out to, like you're saying, how do you come out to a partner and tell them that you're into something knowing full well that they may or may not receive it well? So the first thing I want to say to, uh, is to the receiver um, of that information. I want to say uh, it's really important for you to, uh, to, hold space for that person to share what they need to share without making it about how you feel about it at first okay so our sexuality is pretty core to who we are and um, for somebody to come out and share something like their kink puts them uh, in an extremely vulnerable place because uh, some of the reasons why people are hesitant to tell their partners is because they're worried about being judged and they're worried about um, exactly that, being told that there's something wrong with them. Um, they're worried about being misunderstood uh, because not all kinks are easy necessarily to get your head around if you're not somebody who is interested in it. So, you know, I tell people, treat it as though somebody is is um, sharing with you a very personal part of them, just like, you know, coming out in, in any other kind of context. Um, and hold space for them and listen to them. Hold space for them to express to you what it is that they need to say. And try as much as possible to not be formulating a response in your head to what they're saying while they're talking. Um, Just let them speak. And 
if what the, so then afterwards, if what they're saying, you know, and, and okay, so before I get to what to how to respond to it, for the other person, for the person who's coming out, yeah, um, it can be really, really scary because there can be a lot on the table. You know, sometimes you're worried about, you know, you could be worried about your partner leaving you. You could be worried about it impacting your sex life. You could be worried about losing the the house and the kids that you've built up together. Um, and many people choose not to share because um, uh, they they don't they they for all intents and purposes love their partners um, and care about them very much, uh, but don't want to uh, rock the boat by sharing a part of them that uh, that they don't necessarily know if the other person's going to accept. Um, and what I want to say is, the other piece of that is we often don't prioritize sexuality within relationships. So sometimes we'll get into relationships and we'll get on on every other level, but not sexually. And what I can tell you is that, you know, our desires run very deep and very core to who we are. And um, if it, 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 you can ignore it for a while, but sexuality is a, is a human drive. It will come back up. The thoughts will come back up. The fantasies will come back up. And then what do you do with them? And do you want to live the rest of your life unfulfilled in that way? If that is something that you crave and need and desire. So everybody has to weigh their own pros and cons, but I think, you know, take the risk of being authentic and take the risk of being yourself. If you can. As early as possible. As in the early as possible in the relationship. Oh my God! It's yes. only going to get harder. It will get harder as you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so definitely, if you can, um, uh, disclose that uh, earlier rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so afterwards, after you find out this information, mm-hmm. um, you know you have a few responses. If if for the person for the vanilla person who is not necessarily interested in the kink, if they hear what it is, and they try to understand it. And they know within the core of themselves that they cannot engage in this thing because it crosses a hard limit for them. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely is not something they could ever see themselves doing. And they absolutely could not accept a partner who has those interests. And this is, you know, kind of worst case this scenario. This is worst case, yeah. Then you may want to rethink the relationship. Mm-hmm. I'll just be blunt. Because it's so core to who we are that at that point... Um, it's always going to be the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and if, if it's it, a deal breaker, if it's then, a deal breaker, then what else? Can then you there do? is no other conversation to, have, to be had. Mm-hmm. If the person uh, who is receiving that information, the vanilla person says, you know what? Um, I love you and <laughs> I uh, want to be in a relationship with you and I'm not going to judge that part of you, but I don't want to have anything to do with that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that is why professional dungeons exist <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. that is the service that we provide we do not uh, it's not uh, sexual in a in a mainstream sense of sexual it's not intimate in a mainstream sense of intimate mm-hmm. what it is is we are kink experts we specialize in facilitating kink and BDSM or power exchange experiences 
And um, so people uh, will come here, they'll get their needs met, and then they go home. We don't follow them home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the integrity of your relationship stays intact. They can go explore as they need, mm-hmm. and you don't have to push any of your own hard hard limits in order to maintain the relationship. And this is all consensual, ideally. And this is all consensual, ideally. Yeah. Yes, so ideally, this is something you give them your blessing to go do. Yeah. Um, if, as a vanilla person, you uh, are open to um, exploring this with the person, but you... Um, in a limited way. In, in, in a limited way, way yeah. in some yeah. kind of way, yeah. um, but you just, uh, let's say, don't know enough about it in order to, you know, to do that, you might feel insecure because you might be like, well, I'm happy to do this for them, but I don't necessarily know if I have the skills to do it safely or properly or mm-hmm. understand the psychology of it then um, that's a that's a good place to be because fortunately uh, in the city we have lots <laughs> of educational opportunities uh, for you to learn more about that fetish and there's tons of workshops at Good For Her, there's tons of workshops here at the Ritual Chamber and lots of other places where you can um, learn about kink and, um, uh, and understand it better. I mean, I also do um, one-on-one consulting with Mm. couples frequently uh, who come to me with a similar... uh, I did one the other day with a couple who uh, were trying to learn about CBT. And he was very into CBT, cock and ball torture, and she was having a hard time getting her head around it. And um, we just took things at their pace and their level Mm -hmm. and and got to a point where now they are both happily enjoying it. Amazing! um, But it took a working around the blocks and the, the misunderstandings about it and the myths about it um, to get to a place of harmony again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so so that's that's kind of like the best case scenario. Yes, yeah. Um, and, sure. uh, you know, maybe uh, if, if your partner discloses a kink to you, maybe there's one, you start thinking about your own sexuality and you realize that there's some stuff about your own sexuality that you that wouldn't you mind trying wanna, yeah, or exploring. Yeah. Um, kink doesn't have to be extreme. I define kink as creative sexuality. Mm-hmm. So so anytime you're just doing something different, you know, somebody somewhere could make an argument that that's kinky. Yeah. So maybe uh, it inspires you to share some of your own desires. Mm-hmm. It opens yeah. up the door. And it opens up the door. Yeah. And for the person who is kinky, if your partner is willing to uh, get some education and to um, to increase their ability to uh, to uh, explore that with you, mm-hmm. have patience. Yeah, take it slow. Have patience. I would say too. Take yeah. it slow. Yeah. yeah. Don't just throw them You're, into. Don't like, just throw don't them. Don't take in. them to like a, a, a yeah. play party, <laughs> a really extreme play party. Yeah. Yeah. Or I had. I had. I had one. Oh no! Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not nice. I, I had one couple, um, you know, who, who, um, the, the, the wife was kinky and, and the, the husband wasn't so kinky. And she said, I can't, I don't know why he doesn't initiate it more often. He said he would explore this with me. I don't know why he doesn't do it. Cause he doesn't I'm know totally, what to do. He, one, he doesn't know what to do, but two, he's not necessarily thinking about it all the time. Like you are because he's not wired that way. That's a great right. Point. So, so have patience with each other to understand that you are both, um, your sexuality and the things that turn you on is wired differently. So you're going to be the psychological turn on is going to be different. The frequency with which you think about those kinds of sexy things is going to be totally different. Um, so you can support yourselves or you can support each other in the acquisition of knowledge and the exploration and the journey of that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fantastic. 
All right, we have a couple minutes left, and I think what would be a great thing for us to do is to talk about the um, upcoming workshops. Uh, since we, sure. we mentioned education, um, the upcoming workshops that we have at the Ritual Chamber, I've, I've been to a couple now that I've been here, and they're so very valuable, and I love them so much. Uh, came to Old School Discipline oh, recently. Yes. That was very fantastic. That was fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I'm going to miss, I'm so, 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 so upset. I'm going to miss the uh, high tea ceremony. Oh, I'm gonna be I know. Montreal. We are definitely going to miss you. <gasps> Yeah, the so tea. Sad. The tea uh, is the high. It's called it's called tea service training for submissives and um, a dominance high tea party, which mm-hmm. follows, um, is something. This is the fourth time we've run it, and it's for uh, submissives who want to learn how to do high protocol tea service, um, the same as maybe you'd receive in like a really fancy restaurant, mm-hmm. and for dominants who want to be served in that way. And we uh, we get it catered by the Windsor Arms. Oh. God, um, I'm so jealous. You are going to miss out. There's like all these little pastries and cakes and sandwiches and like five different kinds of tea. And it's all being served by submissives who earlier in the day have been trained in how to prepare tea and how to uh, how to serve. Uh, and it's really lovely. So that's happening on April 28th in the afternoon. Um, and if you're interested um, as a submissive uh, w- wanting to be trained, um, then uh, sign up that way. And uh, if you're interested as a dominant who just wants to come and attend, you can sign up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, couples are welcome to attend, but the submissives will be all be serving all of the participants. Mm-hmm. And sort of like it's not a it's not a sexual thing. It's more of a service uh, yeah, type service of thing. thing. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But uh, so couples and singles are welcome to attend. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a workshop coming up on April twenty fifth called um, what's it called again? I always forget. Practical improv skills for hot kink role play. Yeah. And the last time I ran that, that was possibly the best workshop I have ever ran in my whole life. Yeah. So this is one that comes up fairly frequently. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you are the kind of person who every time you think about role play, you get giggly or you get shy or yes. you're like, that's the last thing I want to do or you don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, this is a brilliant workshop for you. And it is taught by Matt McCready. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> you should see Matt try to improvise a kink scene. He is so fucking funny. Was he? <laughs> He's my husband. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's an improviser, like an actual yeah. comedic improviser. Uh, that's his main gig that he does. He is so funny doing role play. You have no fucking idea. He is so dumb. Like, Get him to come to that workshop. It's just and like he can joke, us. joke, joke, joke. It's like. <laughs> Matt, you're so stupid. Well, I love it. And there's no rule that says you can't laugh your head off in it, bed. And Sex we do. Doesn't yes. have to be serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's um there there are actually eighteen or uh, seventeen or eighteen events between now and the end of August. So you should totally go visit oh, the website www.theritualchamber.ca um, and check them out. But one other one that I want to talk about is um, happening on May fifth. And it's called Femme Fetishization. And we have somebody by the name of Natasha, uh, as in K-N-O-T-A-S-H-A. And she is a, um, a very experienced kink educator from San Francisco. And she is coming to talk about um, 
everything femme. So if you are the kind of person who uh, really enjoys like corsets and pantyhose and stockings and gloves and accessories and um, walking in, in heels and all those kinds of things, regardless of what gender you are, mm-hmm. I highly recommend you get your butt in a seat. Um, this one will sell out. So get your tickets early. Um, actually, all of our events tend to sell out. To sell out. So yeah, get your great. tickets early yeah. um, if there's one that interests you. And we've got lots more, lots more coming up. Tons. And then after August, we'll have a whole new fall uh, workshop series being released. Absolutely, we will. Yeah, so look at the website, uh, and uh, we should be wrapping up. So is there any other links or social media things, either for you yourself or for the chamber? For sure. So um, you can uh, follow us on Twitter. That's where we are the loudest. Yes. Uh, We are on Twitter. (laughs) So um, loud. At Ritual Chamber T-O. Or you can find me on Twitter at Sharazad TRC. And I'm also on Instagram at um, The Alchemical Seductress. Mm -hmm. So um, connect in. I hope that we uh, we see you at some of our events or in the dungeon for sessions over the next few months. Or consultations. Or consultations. We are very happy to do consultations with people who are maybe um, a little bit gun-shy about jumping into a session with a pro-dom. Um, we will meet with you. We will answer all your questions. Uh, and uh, we even actually have an open house for those of you who are interested in um, uh, booking a session perhaps with one of our pro-doms or seeing the space, but you've never done it before and you have questions um we have an open house coming up on june 10th which is a monday afternoon uh from 4 to 5 p.m lovely and you can just stop in and um we will uh answer any questions about we do need pre-registration i shouldn't say just stop in we do <laughs> you can register stop, on the website stop in, after you've booked. Uh, stop in after you've booked a spot and uh and we will answer your questions fantastic yeah oh my gosh so that's uh, uh, you guys should be very thankful <laughs> to shoes. <laughs> what a great episode! Thank you so much. You are very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, anytime. You know that. And um, thank you to everyone who uh, sent in questions. Fabulous questions yeah, today. Yeah, you guys did good. Oh, so good. Um, for bedpostly type things, uh, if you are in the Toronto area and want to see the bedpost stage show. That happens the third Friday of every month at the Social Capital Theatre at 8 o'clock. If you um, want to uh, email me, thebedpostsexshow at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thebedpostshow. You can follow me on Facebook at bedposterotica. Yes, they're all different. and It's annoying to me too, don't worry. Uh, Again, I'm going to tell you about our (laughs) patreon.com slash thebedpostshow. We're also at bedpost.ca. Since we're talking about a lot of pro-doming today, I'm going to give you my pro-doming socials as well. I'm at theladypim1, both on Twitter, which I'm most definitely the loudest, and also on Instagram, theladypim1. And uh, I'm at ritualtamber.ca slash lady dash Pim. That's my direct booking link. So uh, thank you again to all you folks for listening, sending questions. Thank you to Steph Copeland for doing the original music for my podcast. You can check out her art at stephcopelandmusic.com. And one last huge thank you to headmistress of the ritual chamber, Shahirasa. Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Bye. Bye. 
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!